Welcome to ContenderCast, a leadership conversation centered on shining a light on bright ideas. And now here's your host, Justin Hahnemann. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for listening. It's Justin Hahnemann on the ContenderCast. We're shining a light on bright ideas. Today, we are talking leadership in this space all around making a positive impact. And on the podcast today is a new friend of mine, Carol Sanford, who you guys are absolutely going to love. Carol, it is so great having you on the podcast. Well, Justin, thanks for inviting me. <laughs> I couldn't even wait. I have to say, like, I had so much fun researching you. I know that sounds like weird I, and don't don't think I'm crazy, but I had so much fun reading about your background and the things that you've done and the the writings that you've completed in your books and your teaching. I mean, I can't even tell you how excited I was for today. And I think our audience is going to get so much out of just hearing from you and your approach to making an impact and, and, and really and how you've helped organizations. So thanks for being on the podcast. My pleasure. Yeah. So for those who don't know Carol, you, you simply Google Carol Sanford and you will find tons. And, um, you know, Carol, I have to ask, like, you've got such a great background in this space. And um, we're going to get to your new book and we're going to cover that a little bit later on the podcast. But talk about, you know, this whole idea of regenerative business development and how you even got into this world. Well, I think you have to start with you have to have an interesting life, <laughs> which I did. <laughs> I love trying it. To make, uh, you have to figure out how to make sense of who you are when you're born. Find who you are. Uh, I ended up with a message or which I couldn't not have conversations about. And I set out on a search to find people who were looking. And I studied with everybody from Thomas Kuhn when I was at Berkeley to Joseph Campbell, uh, where we were co-teaching. And I began to refine what it was I thought that would really matter in the world and what was my unique voice in that. And then I found some people who knew something in the world about how to do that. They'd worked in Procter & Gamble for a large number of years and it created some of the most interesting systems that were at that point the most studied in the world about how you create a really impactful business, which I began calling at that point and they had also called it regenerative uh, because what that means is you look at the essence of something like I looked at my essence. We, you look at the essence of what is in their particular case soap about, cleaning about and what are the markets and what what is the essence of each of those clusters of buyers? And in that, you work from that rather than market research and a variety of other things that scatter you and get rid of your uniqueness. So I do, I also do that with individuals. I start even with a company, finding what's the essence of the founder that brought that company, what it is. And I essence is something so complex, it's hard to explain, but it literally means that which if everything else was taken away, you couldn't take that, has nothing to do with your strengths, weaknesses, nothing to do with your personality. But I built it around a core idea, which changed my life and got me over my insecurities and a horrific upbringing and gave me a way to make a difference with my life. How's that for <laughs> a start? <laughs> wow. I love it. Well, and for those that don't know Carol, I mean, she hosts events. She's got a bunch of books to speak and she teach. I mean, like 
unbelievable background, um, political science at San Jose State, master's in urban community and regional planning, new book called The Regenerative Life, Transform Any Organization, Our Society, and Your Destiny. Um, Carol, talk about the responsible business and what that means. So a responsible business is, uh, or, well, I've got three books. I've got the responsible <laughs> business and the regenerative business. That's and right. I called the first one the responsible business because Wiley, Jesse Wiley was my editor, one, the young one of the team, wouldn't <laughs> let me use the word regenerative because they thought it was too difficult for people to understand. <laughs> so this book, the regenerative business, I got to actually be more encompassing, but I applied it directly to lives of people in roles. So regenerative literally means to live as living systems live, to understand how living systems work. Now, it's not about sustainability, although you may do that. It's not about just financial, although I'm really good at teaching people how to get 35 to 65% <laughs> earnings wow. out of their S- it's not about just doing, um, not earnings, revenue growth, I mean, per year. It's not just about doing good. It is about really finding what it is your voice in the world is a business. And the way I told you what I did for me, I do that with a business. So I did that with, for example, Seventh Generation, which had been in business for seven, um, several years, but they weren't financially really taking off and didn't give Jeffrey Hollander, the founder, a really great position. So the kind of work we did in finding what is their place in the world. It's not a branding thing. It's finding who they are. I did this for DuPont also. E.I. DuPont who found it. We went back and found out what's the essence. But with Seventh Generation, it turned out that um, the essence of it and Jeffrey's essence was about being able to be transparent. And he created the first um, sustainable report marketing, um, um, sustainable reporting uh, and in that process, it allowed him to position himself and his voice in a way because he talked about everything, including what they didn't do well, and was fully transparent, including putting all the products, um, ingredients of those products on the label. We at DuPont understood it was about managing risk and had to undo a lot of things DuPont was doing, sold off a bunch of companies, uh, and went back to how do you do chemicals in a way that safe. And the founder of or the CEO of that company, uh, who was also president chairman of the board, Chad Holliday, wrote the foreword to my first book, The Responsible Business, in order to say how important it was. So regenerative business is about finding out what was there at the founding, that if you can reconnect to that, it is the essence and that's the major source of creativity. Wow. Well, and, and yeah, and you've, and that, again, you've written several books and your newest one, The Regenerative Life, which I thought was really interesting, just the title itself. Um, but what I loved about it was this whole idea that, you know, it's not all about just heroes that can make change, but it's about anyone in the business that can make change. Talk about your approach to that. I looked from the time I was young or how I was going to be a hero. And when I finally figured I might not look for heroes to follow, and it suddenly occurred to me somewhere in my, I don't know, late thirties that there were non-heroic ways to do it. It had to do with changing who I was. Um, no, that's not true. Cha- finding who I was and growing me in a way that I could be that. And then understanding who I was touching, what was going on and beginning to look at life is filled with roles, which are change agents in themselves, if done regeneratively from understanding this essence idea. So I, 
started to look at these roles and found that there were nine of them that look and didn't have anything to do with your career. Like one of them is educator. Well, you might be a salesperson, you might be a piano teacher, uh, you might be a designer, but in that process, you find that if you step into educating, knowing the essence of that person, you can bring about huge change. And so the way I got to the idea is still this core of understanding the essence of me, the essence of every person I touch, and by the way, parent is one of the roles. If you do that, you can be non-heroic and transforming lives. And one thing it'll be fun for you to know, I did this book as a um, learning action project. I involved a hundred people and I engaged them. And many of them I had never met, a few were already in my communities, but I give the, gave them an education. They came and got online with me said, here's a role you can see if you want to be a non-heroic leader in. Gave them some ideas. They went out and tried it for a month and engaged in the process that I told them, kept journaling, came back a month later, were able to engage with me again, questions, um, some answers, some new material. They went off again, and then they gave me their story. And I used their stories. This book is full of 65 uh, stories that really help people understand how in a non-heroic way they can really change the course of history. Wow. And you talk about how your upbringing, upbringing played a role in developing this book. Tell us that story. Well, there's two sides of that. There's my grandfather, which was is half uh, Mohawk, and he had stories that came out of his lineage and out of the Iroquois Nation processes, which had to do with learning to actually manage yourself so you could see reality. Because most of the time we can't see reality because our own projections, our own inner obstacles are all in the way. And my grandfather, from the time I was young, was constantly teaching me to see how I was seeing what I was seeing. Could Here were some other ways I could consider seeing. And I teach that to people now, but I do it in everything from marketing to strategy to parenting. And the working with my grandfather was so important. I had on the other side, a father who was not a good human being, not a whole human being, kind of a mess. And I had to use all that material my grandfather gave, gave me and engaged me with to come see myself differently rather than the messages I got. So I was incredibly lucky, if you want to call it that, in that I got good material to work on, but I got a set of processes which were ancient in their lineage, and those are all embedded in the book. How do you take those powerful wisdom traditions that come through not just indigenous people, but through many wisdom teachings, including that nature never repeats herself, and no human being is alike, nothing that's alive is alike, and learning that process, not by brainstorming, not by making it up, but learning to see like my grandfather taught me without me putting all of my own ideas in between. Wow. Well, and you talk about also, you know, the importance of life application and how you can take steps, action steps from this, both at work or in your personal life. So what are some of the things that you want readers to take away from this book and act on? Well, 
I give a journal, actually, in the book, and we're going to create one to go with it. But the, the primary thing is to start with a practice of learning to watch how you're seeing. And I introduced to them uh, probably the easiest one for people to grasp on this short call would be that there are different worldviews we have or different paradigms, and we can't tell that. And if, if I'm in a what I call value return or extract view, when I'm looking at somebody, I'm figuring out what I can get from them. If I go to an arrest disorder view or do less harm view, I start to think about, well, how can I, you know, beat my kids less or miss their, miss, uh, their programs less? And so I'm kind of on an improvement path. And if I notice that's as far as I've gone, it's helpful because the last two paths, the do good has some good elements to it. We can see, yeah, I'm trying to actually go do more than just do less harm to someone. I'm trying to actually do something that matters. But again, it matters what's going on in your mind, because if you think you know what's good for them, you're in trouble. If instead, what I want you, everybody listening to do is start saying, what is the essence of this person? Not that you'll be very good at it at the beginning. It took me, a, I don't know, a dozen years before I began to be able to see with all of the filters my grandfather taught me. But start to look at at least what's their higher order intention? Where does their primary energy go when they seem like they're awake? And how do you manage yourself not to project what you want them to be? So if you did nothing else out of this uh, podcast, that would be terrific. <laughs> that's, that's a good list. Um, and what did you, what, what surprised you most as you involved this wide group? What was most interesting that came out of it? I mean, you've worked with a lot of groups and a lot of organizations and a lot of environments, but what surprised you most in putting this project together? Well, there was a huge surprise. Uh, I have worked with companies over three to eight years because that's about what it takes to really shift so much. And they, uh, But I didn't believe I could work in a short period of time and get as much impact as I did. That literally startled me. And it was because people came back, they did the work, they kept the journal, uh, and they were applying it in real life. And watching them do that, and you'll see it when you, anybody who reads this book, the stories of how much could change in a short period of time. Now, it still takes work to keep it up, and I suggest people keep journaling, but I still get notes from all these people, and we st the project was complete uh, 13 months ago. And so the fact that it could happen and had sticking power, oh my gosh, that's so exciting because I now believe people using the book can get some of that impact, especially if they do the journaling that goes with it. Wow. Well, and, you know, stepping you know back from this a bit and into the bigger picture of your world, your brand, like how do you get the message out to your audience? How do you, how are you deriving growth of your brand across your many platforms? Well, my primary way is as an educator. So I'm not a consultant. I don't tell people what to do, but <laughs> I go into companies uh, like Google, like DuPont, seventh generation, and some in Europe and other places. And I show up there once a month for a day, and I educate them on thinking processes and doing a little like my grandfather. Every time I went with him out to look at the pigs, he gave me another aspect and another round. And then I had to he I had to reflect on it when I came back. So I create now instead of going traveling so much, I create communities which I do online, the Regenerative Business Development Community, where I have twelve to fifteen companies with me over 
one to three years, first year strategy, second year leadership, third year work design, and they learn how to do things. They, they learn a bit from one another, and they I only let people in by referral eventually. We have to talk to somebody who's been connected so they know what they're getting into. I also create change agent communities, people who'd like to work like I work, and they come in and they meet with me many times a year. There are different levels. Some of them actually, in fact, large percentage actually own their own business. They're professors at Stanford, Harvard, MIT, and a few other places, full professors. And so I see it going out, um, you know, through the universities. But I also have written five books, as you've been kind to point out. Uh, <laughs> I have three podcasts, one Business Second Opinion, yep. where I critique Harvard Business Review, one article at a time. Um, and I run a summit, which people can attend in person and online a couple of times a year. And one last thing, I'm a senior <laughs> fellow at uh, of social innovation at Babson. Wow. So I touch as many places as I can to help educate and develop people rather than try and consult and tell them what to do. <laughs> I love it. And it's just so obvious. It's a passion of yours. It's not like, you know, you're doing it just to write books or whatnot. As you know, you've met people like that, but I just love that. It's like, it's all, you're all in and I love it. Um, yeah. <laughs> It's very cool. Hey, so uh, share with our audience where they can find you, how they can connect with you, how they can check out your newest book here coming out in March um, and get involved with your, your organizations. You can go to carolsanford.com. It's all about me. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and my email is carol at carolsanford.com. So uh, and from there, you can find the connection to all my books, to podcasts, to the corporate and business communities. There's one there, which is new and exciting and new for me, too, to do, is the Regenerative Women Entrepreneurs Community. I've been asked to do that for decades. Wow. And I willing and it it just started up and it's a limited number of people who again it's all online although there is an annual event that coincides with a couple of other annual events so the couple thousand people who work with me around the world can meet one another um, so from that page you can find out almost everything about me and yet my email if that isn't enough <laughs> i love it well carol hey thank you so much for making time to be on the podcast it's been great connecting with you. I'm excited about your new book and thanks for telling us your story. Thanks for asking. The Contender Cast is sponsored by Henderson Shapiro Peck. You can download additional Contender Cast episodes directly via the Apple iTunes App Store, the Google Play Store, Spotify, and other preferred podcast platforms. If you would like to be a guest on the Contender Cast, connect with us at contenderbrands.com. This is Brian Benson reminding you that every winner started as a contender.